Um, this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the birth of our Savior, the birth of our Savior. And uh, I don't know um, if you can imagine this, but if you can imagine, maybe it's rugby for you, uh, or maybe it's hockey, or football, or baseball. You've never cared about it, you've never understood the game, and somebody uh, brought you to a stadium to watch your first game, your first game. Uh, and a- as you watch your first game, you, you, you're, you're sitting in your seat, and from time to time, people erupt in cheering, and, and you go, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know why they just were cheering. Uh, uh, in baseball, the, the big strikeout to end the inning, and you're like, well, what are they doing? Why they were cheering and then they're switching out players and teams and or maybe you're you're sitting there and uh, the pitch goes and the ball goes over the fence and you're like, oh no, they lost the ball. Uh, and the, but everyone's cheering and you're saying, why are they cheering if they lost the ball? Like I don't know how that would happen. Or or football's a little bit more complicated, you know. The, uh, maybe you've gone out to our local uh, stadium here and uh, they're yelling first and ten move those chains and you're they're super excited and you're like I don't get who were the chains and why are they going 10 and like why I I don't understand why they're cheering and maybe for you when it comes to Christmas you say well why are they cheering why what's the big deal Uh, why is it so significant and this morning uh, I I seek to uh, share with you why uh part of, and this is just a a sampling of why it's so significant that Jesus Christ was born, uh, that he was born, and the excitement that those first hearers of uh, that Christ was born, that they must have had, and that for us now that we can enjoy as well, and that we can celebrate as well, and that we can be excited uh, for what has gone on uh, for us. And so if you join with me in prayer, uh, we'll worship the Lord together and we'll ask that He will open our hearts to see things as they are. God, we realize that this uh, message is more significant than we can handle. We realize that it's hard for us to grasp. God, much of our problem has to do with our, our capacity and our capacity that's been spent being excited about things that are insignificant. So God, this morning I ask that you do a work in our hearts, that you would help us to uh, clear our minds, that you would clear our minds, that we might hear from you. God, help us to hear the truth. Uh, So much of our um, life we've heard lies and uh, we've embraced them and we've made decisions Uh, based on lies and so this morning lord i ask that you would do your work in us that you would change us that you would uh, help us to see clearly uh, how great it is that we have a savior and that he was born uh, to give his life for us we thank you for this time we ask for you to do your work in jesus name amen so as we look at uh, god's word this morning I, i i'll be bouncing around so i know that that's not what I usually do, and so, you know, if you can hang with me, that'd be great. I have for you this morning, and I want to think through 
with you why it is such a big deal that a Savior was born. Um, the, the verse that we're going to land on, and uh, I want to read to you the whole passage when we get there, but is Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And it says this, For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And the idea being this morning that uh, we have a Savior. A Savior was born. Um, and, and you say, well, yeah, I, I've heard that before. I've even heard it, you know, I think Linus read it uh, in the Peanuts Christmas. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, uh, what's next? What's next? And I want to tell you, uh, there, there's nothing next. Uh, this is so significant. Uh, that it should stop us dead in our tracks. And, and this is why. I want to tell you why. Uh, the first reason why, uh, and it, it all has this theme of that we are sinners. We are sinners. You turn over to uh, Romans chapter 3, looking at verses 9 and 10. And I, I, I want to tell you that this isn't uh, an uncommon theme in the New Testament, and Old Testament as well, that we are sinners and i i want to say it this way that i am a sinner that i am a sinner and uh that that as i I know that most of you know this already Uh, most of you have come in here a long time and you've studied the scriptures and you've been to other churches as well and you go yeah i I get it we're sinners now can we move on to something else i want to tell you uh no we can't move on to something else because if we forget the fact that, that I am a sinner, it will uh, cause us to, in pride, uh, move on and, and for us to miss the significance of Jesus. In Romans chapter 3, uh, verses 9 and 10, uh, what then? Are, are, we Jews? Are, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have... All, already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written none is righteous no not one as we consider that you you say well what's the deal Jews and Greeks Uh, there was a separation between those who God had called his people and those who God had not called his people and so there was a sense where the Jews thought they were better than the Greeks. The Greeks said, I have no part of them. And, and what, he, what Paul is saying is he lays them side by side and he says there's really no difference. That, that Jews, even in their calling and even in their uh, uh, special relationship, they are sinners. They are not righteous. The Greeks as well. And I want to tell you that hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, where you grew up or, or what family you're from. It, I want to tell you that we are all sinners. We're all sinners. And as we consider that and as we just camp on that this morning, I want you to think, uh, I want to think, and I realize that all of us are like this, we want to think of ourselves as better than we are. And maybe not even just better than we are, better than the people around us. Uh, that's what, you know, we, we, just, we don't have to be the top of the class, but we just don't want to be the bottom, right? And, and I want to tell you that the, the, the Scripture is clear that we are all in one boat. 
we are all together share this one common thing, and it's that we are sinners. Well, uh, if you want to move on to that, okay, that we are sinners. I am a sinner. Maybe if you're taking notes this morning, I am a sinner. Uh, number two, I am a repeat offender. <laughs> repeat offender. It's, it's one of these things that we want to uh, say past tense. I, I used to sin. I used to sin. When I was a child, I, I did some awful things, but I don't do any awful things anymore. Or maybe it was just that one time. Uh, I, I look at this and I go, I, I know this both from the whole teaching of Scripture as well as my own life, that we are not one-time offenders. We are repeat offenders. Repeat offenders. Um, y- you know, uh, we, one, of, one of our favorite things to say is, oh, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Like there's some aberration that happened at this one moment in time that I accidentally slipped and there I was and it'll never happen again. It was just a mistake. I want to tell you that that's not the point of our sinfulness. It's not that we made a mistake. It's that we are sinners. And we're not just uh, one time. We are repeat offenders. Repeat offenders. Number three. Number three, so I am a sinner, I'm a repeat offender. I am born a sinner, I'm born a sinner. Which reminds me, uh, uh, I told you last week that the McDiffitt kids were born. And I, I want to tell you this week, on uh, this last Monday, uh, another baby girl, another baby girl, Savannah Schlecht. Savannah Schlecht, and I, I'm making these things up, don't hold me to them. I'm within an ounce or two, okay? Okay. Uh, Six pounds, two ounces, okay? Does that sound about right? I don't remember all the details, but very tiny, very tiny little thing. I don't know what those McDiffitt kids were doing, but uh, uh, right, Scott? You know, anyways, we praise God. We praise God. Uh, Babies look perfect, and they look innocent, and we like to say uh, they're not, uh, they're perfect, and then they bring in a bad world, and then they learn how to sin. I want to I tell you, and there's more than one passage that we could go to, but Psalm chip, chapter 51, verse 5 says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Okay? So this idea in the Scripture is not that we learn to sin, but that we were born into sin. Connected to our father Adam through uh, every generation, that we are born into sin. I'm, I'm slipping into my next point. So I am a born sinner, a born sinner. But this isn't a new thing. Some of us like to say, well, you know, I, I was doing really good. I was doing really good and everything was going great. And then, voila, I met this person. Voila, I, I, I went into junior high or high school or like I, I got involved in some things and I was doing fine and everything was great. And then I, I want to tell you, born sinner. Born sinner. I am a born sinner. And if that wasn't bad enough, um, we move uh, from being a born sinner. I am a born sinner, point number three, to point number four. Uh, Your parents were as well. My parents were as well. I I come from a long line of sinners. Long line of sinners. 
Um, sometimes we like to think of families as being immune, uh, that we are somehow better, we have a, a better lineage. And I want to tell you that this idea of being a sinner, uh, we're born into sin, but not just that, but our parents were as well. And there's a long line of sinners that goes back and back and back. It, it seems hopeless, even as I look at some of your faces right now, I'm hopeless of our condition. Uh, and you say, what, what is there to celebrate? We'll get there, okay? That our parents were as well, that we come from a long line of sinners. Number five, number five. Your sin has made you, my sin has made me, I am spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. A couple of different passages uh, that we could look at, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Semblance of life, maybe outward looked like it was living, but it was dead. You're spiritually dead. And when I, I, I hear the words dead, I, I think of hopeless. Like uh, if, if you think about what happens in a hospital or you think about what happens in a family and you say there's always hope when they're alive, but when that moment in time where you say, oh, they, they passed away, they have died, we realize there's no more hope. And as we look at this spiritually and the sin that uh, makes this progression, that we are sinners, that we are born into it, that we had family and that we are repeat offenders, and we look at this and we see this and we go, oh no, that we are spiritually dead. Not just that, but in that same passage in Ephesians chapter 2, he goes on, he says, uh, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. It's not just that we are dead spiritually, but this world is dead spiritually. It's this world has been taken over by sin. You can study in the book of Genesis how, how God created that which is good and, and that which is perfect. But in Adam's sin, sin entered the world and it affected everything. And so it's not just that uh, you are, are sinful and that your family is sinful and they were born into sin and that, that sin's prevalent. It's outside too. Is even if you were neutral, even if you had this uh, blank chalkboard type life that you were born into, because of being in a sinful world, it would have impacted you and infected you so that you would have become just like it. And this is what we were and are apart from Christ, which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. You look at this, and this sinful world is everywhere. And, and I don't need to argue with you about this this morning, right? Because you know it. Uh, you've been exposed to it. You've seen it. Uh, it's glorified in the news, right? Uh, it's what uh, we read about. Some of you work... Uh, in law enforcement, and you, you see certain things. You see it at your job. You see the effects of it. You see it in marriage. Like, you see it everywhere, right? You see that we live in a sinful world. As we consider this this morning, I realize it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming, uh, the, the state of who we are um, in this sinfulness. 
Number seven, and I only have eight points, okay? So some of you are going, let's get out of this pretty quick, okay? I'm with you, okay? I, I am, so we've talked about this sin. I am stuck in sin. I'm stuck in sin. In Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16, it's this, uh, Paul's writing about this whole idea of walking by the Spirit and walking by the flesh. I want to tell you that walking by the flesh is you doing it on your own apart from Jesus Christ. Uh, what can you do on your own apart from Jesus Christ? Hear that as I, I read this passage in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or the sinful flesh um, or the weak flesh probably would be the, the best uh, translation. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. And then listen to this. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. You're stuck. You're stuck. Uh, there's this sense of, and I believe it comes from our um, creation, uh, the res- what we are created to do. We want to do good. We want to be good. We understand that there is a sense of goodness because we're created to, uh, to do so and, and understand that. But, but this passage says this it, walking in the flesh, walking, just doing everything, what we can do apart from Jesus. It says, it says this, it keeps us, this walking in the flesh, there's this, this battle going on to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I know you've felt that. I know you've felt that. And that, that feeling of stuck in sin. Stuck in sin. As you consider that this morning, um, I, I just have one last point that I want to share. And I could have... I could have made a longer list. There's a lot about sin in the scriptures. There's a lot about the effects of sin in the scriptures. The last thing I want to share with you, uh, the desperate situation we have with sin, is we are, I am, I am haunted by sin. I'm haunted by it. And when I say haunted, I'm not talking about like ghosts. I'm talking about this idea of the memories of our conscience. The, The idea of, uh, the things that we have done, the scenes that we remember, the snapshots in our mind. As you turn over to Titus chapter 1, he shares with us, once again, what it's like to be left uh, where you are without Jesus. What happens inside of you? In Titus chapter 1, in verse 15, it says this, To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their conscience are defiled. You know what happens, right? Uh, The stuff of your mind, it bounces around in there. It plays it over and over again. Uh, Some of you say, well, my mind's playing tricks on me. And, And sometimes it's accurately representing exactly what happened in the past. And it's playing it over and over and over again. 
And this idea of the, the guilt of your conscience and it's chasing after you and you say, oh, I just can't get rid of it. I, I just can't leave it. It's interesting. Uh, we, uh, people who, who don't believe anything, who, who haven't opened the scripture at all, they're bothered by their own sin. They look for ways to deal with the past and to put it in its place and to seal it up in a box and then throw it away. They, they're looking for ways to do that. They, they're seeking to do good works to somehow erase the things that they've done in the past and yet nothing, nothing will chase away that guilty conscience because we're haunted by the sins that we have committed. Well, and then there was cheering. And you say, what's everyone cheering about? What, why, what good news could there be out of this? What, what, how does this story turn around? It sounds awful, desperate, hopeless. Turn to Luke chapter 2. And I want to read to you the game changer. The, the thing that changed everything. The reason that those who get it are cheering. In Luke chapter 2, I read these familiar words. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there... Uh, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, uh, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were fill filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So I read that to you. Um, it wasn't just a normal birth. Uh, it wasn't just another boy being born in a peculiar situation. It was a boy uh, born of special birth, virgin birth. It's a boy born as part of a family, lineage of David, uh, in a special town, one that was prophesied about. But all those things uh, pointed to this one special thing, that he came to do, to be a savior, to be a savior. And it's interesting, I, I want it to say, and the, you know, part of this is an allusion to this, but the, I want it to say, 
the Savior, all caps. No mistaking, there's no other one. And yet, and yet there are other Saviors. There are other things that we look to. There are other places and, and things that people put their hope and their trust in. But I want to tell you that this Savior, this one Savior that was born, uh, He's the one that can save you from your sin problem. He's the one. And so as uh, you consider this morning, what, what is there to cheer about? What is there to celebrate? It's not just because your family got to be together. I hope that you celebrate that. I hope that, you know, some of you say, well, everyone's healthy. That's good, too. Uh, it's that we all have jobs and that we have stuff and that we have a, a good place. to. All those things are nice. But all those things don't remove the fact that we are sinners and sinners in the way that I described. None of them touch that. But the fact that Jesus was born... To be a Savior. Really to be your Savior. If you'll accept it. And I want to tell you there's no other place you can go. uh, To gain the salvation, the freedom from sin. He's the only Savior that can save you from your sins. I hope that this this time that I've shared these things. uh, For those of you who have trusted in Christ. Is just a reflection a calming of your own soul and a realizing the weight of the gravity of your own sin. And so if there's a gravity of your own sin, there's also a great treasure that you have in Jesus because of what he's done. Um, I hope that that is a reflection for you. If you haven't trusted in Christ, I want to tell you now is the time. There's nothing greater you can get for Christmas than the salvation of your souls. Um, So consider that now. Please join with me in prayer as we close. God, thank you for this morning. God, we realize that uh, we struggle with uh, putting in perspective, uh, really seeing ourselves. Uh, we, we lack self-awareness, not just in the sense of uh, how we, we appear or this and that, but how we truly are. This is why we look to your word. We're thankful that you describe to us uh, how desperate our situation was in our sin. God, we ask that you would help us to embrace your son, Jesus. Uh, if we've trusted in you, Lord, we ask that you would use this time to cement and to cause us to reflect and enjoy the salvation that we have received. God, if we have not come to know you, if we don't have relationship with you, or if our sins are not forgiven, Lord, I pray that, we would, that you would uh, draw us now, uh, draw us now to your son, Jesus. God, thank you for your church. Thank you for this time of year, the blessings of it. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, You are dismissed.